We're going to take a little uh, Bible drill type experience this morning and, and look at five different passages. Uh, last week, we finished our series on Genesis in the beginning, and so we will work our way next week through the book of James uh, systematically. And, uh, but this week, we're kind of in an in-between week, and so uh, just sit down and ask the Lord, Lord, where are we right now? What is on my heart? And what felt was just a, a whelming over of thanksgiving. Thankfulness for you as a church, thankfulness for where the Lord has us. And, and so I wanted to give us just a word on thanksgiving and work our way systematically through what it means for us to be thankful. And I am well aware it's not November, well aware thanksgiving is not right around the corner, but it doesn't mean that as we come together today, that Thanksgiving and gratefulness should not be the theme of our song daily as a believer. I can't think of anything more antithetical to the gospel than an, a grumpy and gripey, ungrateful believer. Can you, can you think of anything more antithetical to someone who has been saved by the blood of Jesus than somebody who walks around mopey and gripey and complainy and ungrateful of a majority of their time? So today we're going to look at what it means for us as believers to be grateful. And I believe that gratefulness is almost like an anecdote to many of the poisons in our soul. I think more, more than maybe anything else, like getting into gratefulness and thankfulness, it's like a, a razor sharp anecdote that would pierce our hearts and would make us well. Uh, several months ago, I had the joy of going with Dr. Vermillion and Dr. Insminger and Larry Gay to Ghana for a medical mission trip. And I'm the furthest, furthest thing from a medical person. So Dr. Insminger and Dr. Vermillion were performing all sorts of pretty remarkable surgeries on people. And uh, Larry Gay and I just walked bed to bed and we got to evangelize and share the gospel. But in the course of that, we would go into these wards that had several beds everywhere. Just beds for children, bed for women, bed for men. And as we walked through these uh, pediatric wards, uh, I experienced something that I had not seen before. I saw children laying on beds with snake bites on their legs. Now, for many of them, they were there because they declined services and went to healers or spiritualists to try to fix their uh, snake bite. And when it progressively got worse, they went back to the hospital, would decline treatment, and would go back to, to healers and all sorts of things. But I began to ask uh, the uh, doctors there, hey, when you have a snake bite, I realize that time is of the essence. How do you get antivenom? When somebody is facing a, a very complex medical issue, how do you get medicine to this remote little uh, hospital in the middle of Ghana? And they begin to unfold this incredible story of a startup company that has a massive uh, facility that flies drones from this facility and will take this box of anti-venom or medicine, fly this drone, attach it to a little parachute, and, and this, the hospital employee can walk outside and this little box from the sky would drop down with the medicine attached to a parachute. They get the medicine, walk inside, administer the medication, and this person would get better. In the middle of Ghana. Is that not nuts? That an hour later, you could have a little package from the sky, drone ship down to you with a little parachute, and you go and administer the anti-venom, and this person comes to life. It's remarkable. And, and I wish with everything in me that I could drone ship some spiritual down into us. We could take a little anti-venom, and all the poisons of our soul would just diminish and go away. It's not quite that simple. But at the same time, as I've looked at what the anecdote that gratitude and thankfulness does in our heart. I see so many poisons to our soul that could be so simply eradicated 
by thankfulness and gratefulness to the Lord. Well, let's look for a moment. You see things like discontentment. Maybe today you are wrestling and struggling with discontentment. Maybe you don't feel stable and settled. You don't feel like you are where God's called you to be and you feel discontentment everywhere around you. Gratefulness is the anecdote because you're grateful for how God has blessed you in this season right now and you're thankful for all the blessings that God has blessed you with. Maybe you're struggling with the venom of pride in your soul and you're thankful. Thankfulness for where God has you and grateful for the grace that has sustained you even when you were at your weakest and lowest points. Maybe jealousy has overtaken you and the bitter pill of jealousy is over your heart and as you are thankful for other people and thankful to the Lord for their successes, it eradicates the jealousy in our soul. Maybe bitterness has got a hold on you and there's rejoicing with gratitude for people, places, seasons, and circumstances. Maybe there's disunity as you, as you experience life and gratitude allows us to see God's unfinished work in people's hearts. Maybe today your greatest struggle is just a deep prayerlessness. You're struggling to be a prayer warrior. You're struggling to be a person of prayer. Can I tell you, as you inject prayer into your, uh, thankfulness into your prayer life, there is an endless amount to be thankful for and to pray for. My goal for us today is to leave this place with a heart full of gratitude that would carry us into a new week and allow you to rejoice over God's abundant blessings no matter the season, circumstance, struggle, or joy that you are walking through. So I was preparing, I heard the story of Matthew Henry, a a famous Bible scholar and teacher who wrote in his diary about being robbed. Matthew Henry was on the way home from a church service one day and he was overtaken by a robber who stole his purse or his wallet, taking everything that he had. And in his journal, Matthew Henry wrote these words. Let me be thankful first, because I was never robbed before. Second, let me be thankful because although they took my purse or my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, let me be thankful that although they took my all, it was not too much. And fourth, let me be thankful because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. And as Matthew Henry wrote those words, how he transformed an experience of being robbed into a moment of being thankful to the Lord. I'm not saying that that's a super easy thing to do, is it? I'm not saying that all of you being robbed would all of a sudden write this 15-page story about how thankful you are to have been robbed. But at the same time, I think there's something to this man of God saying, I've experienced this. Let me see the moments even in the, the misery to be thankful to the Lord. And so that's our goal today. That's what we're going to walk through today. So let me pray for us, and then let's unpack these five areas that will help us to achieve this calling. Lord, we ask right now for your help. I recognize I need it. I recognize that we as people who have been called by your name, who have trusted in you, Lord, we need to grow in gratitude. So would you help us? Would you help us to take joy in our salvation, to take joy in the blessings that are abundant around us? So right now, would you open our hearts? Lord, I pray as always that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first place that you want to look is in Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 7. If you would go ahead and open your Bibles to that place. Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 7. And the first blank that you'll see on your outline is the most important. 
So if you're going to tune out after this one, just, just stay with me for this one, all right? Stay with me for the first blank. And uh, I hope you stay with me the whole time, but at least the first one, all right? So number one is thanksgiving in salvation. Colossians chapter two, six through seven, thanksgiving in salvation. If we don't get this one right, it'll be mighty hard to move on to the rest of these. If we don't recognize the joy of our salvation, the fruit of our salvation, it's mighty hard to be grateful for the difficulty and the seasons of the life that we live in on this side of heaven. And you may say, well, Mark, we've, we've heard this before. We know, of course, we know that Jesus loves us. We know that God cares for us. Let's move on to some weightier things. There is nothing weightier than this. There is nothing heavier or more mature than recognizing that Jesus has saved us from the pit of hell. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 on your outline or in your Bible will say, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, established in your faith, trusting in Jesus. And what does it say at the end? Abounding in thanksgiving. The heart of a believer is gratefulness to the Lord for what he has done. Can I remind you that you were, as a non-believer, dead in your sins and your trespasses? You were dead. The Bible makes it crystal clear you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but God has made you alive together with Christ. This is the greatest news on the face of the planet, and we treat it so casually. That for those in Christ... The hells that we experience on this earth, the cancers, the struggles, the heartache, the difficulty, the pain, the temptation, the sin. For the believer, this earth is as close as we will ever experience to hell. That there will be a day, whether you are ready for it or whether you are not, there will be a day where you will breathe your last breath on this earth. For some of you, it may be near. For some of you, it may be far. We, we don't know. There will be a day where you will breathe your last breath on this earth. And for those who are in Christ, you will be eternally in the presence of our Savior. Eternally. Friends, there's no way to move past or beyond this. This is everything to us. It wells our hearts with joy to think, not because we did it, but because he did it. He saved us from the pit of hell. How could we not then be thankful to the Lord for everything he has done? Because he has saved us from our greatest problem that we could ever imagine. So that's where I would tell us, if, if we're struggling with thanksgiving, if we're struggling and wrestling with gratefulness, then we go back and examine our very foundation. Do we constantly look at the sun rising in the morning and say, Lord, thank you that today your mercy was new for me? Do we recognize daily that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but he has made us alive together with Christ? It's a miracle for us. And so we abound in thanksgiving because of it. You see the word abound in thanksgiving is not just trickle with thanksgiving. It is abound in thanksgiving because of our salvation. It's there we begin. There's no other place we can start. There's no other place that helps us understand gratefulness than going back to the very core of who we are as a believer. And so if you find yourself lacking in gratefulness in your prayer and your worship and your generosity and all these other places, if you find yourself being bitter and pride-filled and discontent, can you start with recognizing, I was dead in my sins. 
but that Jesus intersected my story and he has saved me from hell. Friends, that would lead us from thanksgiving in our salvation to number two, thanksgiving in our worship. It would lead us then to thanksgiving in our worship. Number two is Psalm 100, four and five. If you have your Bible, you can flip over there for a second. Thanksgiving in our worship. As salvation and thanksgiving fuels our worship. You see Psalm 100, four and five, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good and his steadfast love. It endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. How do we enter his gates? We enter him with thanksgiving. We come into this place with thankfulness in our hearts. We've come collectively as a church to say thank you. We've come into this place with all of the mess of the week, all the frustrations, all the failures, all the joys. We've walked into the place singularly to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that even sorrows like sea billows would roll. We can say, it is well with my soul. We've come into this place with all of the baggage from the week to say, thank you, Lord, with one accord, with one voice, as a faith family who needs desperately one another to say, thank you, Lord. And for those of you who felt like you crawled into this place, for those who felt like you, you stumbled every step of the way to get in here, we join our hearts together to at the very least enter his gates with thankfulness, for what he's done. To say thank you, Lord, that sorrows like sea billows would roll, but it is well. It is well with my soul. And why can we say that? Because Jesus has secured us. There's thankfulness in worship. And so if we enter into our private and corporate worship experiences with bitterness and discontentment and disunity, friends, we go back to the heart of it all. Are we here to worship Jesus? Are we here to see Jesus? Are you worshiping Jesus privately for what he's done for you so that publicly as you come together, it's an overflow from your grateful heart for your salvation, which would then lead us to number three, which is thanksgiving in our prayer. There's thanksgiving in our worship, which bleeds over into thanksgiving in our prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, my, my favorite verse in all of Scripture. Thanksgiving and prayer would tell us, as Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the good peace of God that surpasses our wildest of expectations. The peace of God that surpasses our wildest of expectations will guard our hearts and it will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Our our prayer life, as we talk about praying continually, friends, we, we pray with a heart of gratitude continually. I wanna give you an exercise today as you leave this place. Maybe you're going to leave here by yourself. Maybe you're going to leave here with your family or grandparents or whatnot. As you leave this place today, as we talk about praying continually and being grateful for everything, let me offer you a suggestion. As you get into your car and crank your car, I want you to begin to have a family conversation about where you're grateful. And I would imagine as soon as you get in your car and as soon as you turn on the engine and the air conditioner hits you in the face, your very first thing should say, Lord, thank you for the air conditioner, right? It's okay. 
Because then what does that do but fuel you to say, Lord, thank you for the air conditioner. Thank you for the gas that I could afford to put in my car to fuel the air conditioner. Lord, thank you for the job that I've got to go to tomorrow to pay for the gas, to pay for the air conditioner, to pay for the hit me in the face when I come off of church. Lord, thank you for a church that I can go to and celebrate freely and joyfully sing and be a part of Bible fellowship. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for my, what my eyes are seeing outside in the beauty of God's creation. Thank you for the birds that are out there. Thank you for the flowers. Lord, thank your heart should never stop seeing and looking and being thankful for what is all around us. And so let it happen. Get in your car, crank the car, let the AC hit you, and then just begin saying, Lord, here is where we're thankful. Here is where I'm thankful. So love, uh, when I was a kid, waking up in the middle of the night, and I would go and poke my my dad and say, Dad, I can't sleep, I, I, I need some help. And so he would do what most of us dads do. He said, go talk to mom. And so I'd go around to the other side and poke mom. And she would say, go do, uh, go do the ABCs. And for me and mom, it wasn't go do your ABCs and go lay in bed and count to ABC, or not count, but say your ABCs. First, she taught my brother and I to go through your ABCs and begin with A and walk through the alphabet and say something you're thankful for for every letter of the alphabet. Who, who are the people? You, a, thankful for these people. A, these things, and just list them. And if you make it through the letter, going all the way through the alphabet, start again, go through again, because you will never exhaust the ABCs of thankfulness. And as you pray, and as you see people, as you see opportunities, let the overflow of your gratefulness to the Lord become overflow out of gratefulness for the people and situations and circumstances where God has entrusted your pathway. And there's, there's an endless amount to be thankful for. There's an endless stream of people and circumstances that you thank the Lord for. The air conditioner, the birds, the fans, the stars, the sky, your salvation, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, your faith family, your friends, the country, the state, the city. Just keep going in a heart that is thankful. And let your thanksgiving overflow in prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. It's as if God is telling you, take all of your prayers, take everything you've got, take your supplications and your prayers, bring everything together. And it's almost like he says, stuff it in the bag of thanksgiving and hand it over. Put it in the bag, bundle it together with thanksgiving, and then just give it over to me. Do your, your praying and your supplicating fueled by thanksgiving. And what does he say? The, the beautiful part of verse seven and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Does that verse just not constantly fuel your heart with thanksgiving? That for those of us in Jesus, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That in Jesus, we have access to peace that surpasses all understanding. And Jesus will guard our hearts and our minds to sustain that peace. And you see verse seven, unlock it. And you may say, as I've talked about many a time, hey, I get it, but Paul doesn't get me. Paul doesn't understand what I'm walking through. It's much harder than what Paul's walking through. He doesn't get it. I think we need to be reminded that Paul walked through persecution and prison and difficulty, yet from his pen, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. 
It's when those moments where we don't think peace can be possible. Through God's Holy Spirit and through Jesus walking with us, we know that it is. As we pray out of a heartbeat of gratefulness. And so our thankfulness and salvation moves to thankfulness and worship, that moves to thankfulness and prayer, that moves to number four, thankfulness in our generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 15 tells us, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way through which will produce thanksgiving to God. Isn't this kind of antithetical that the more we give away, the more generous we are, the more thankful we are. I began to ponder this particular point last night as I was preparing and getting getting things together, and I began to think of people in my life who I believe are some of the most generous people that I know. Or excuse me, the most, yeah, the most generous people I know. And I began to think about uh, how they give themselves away through service, through their resources, through their time. And the most generous people I know are usually the most gracious people I know, the most thankful people I know, and the most godly and humble people that I know. It's incredible how all those things work hand in hand. The more you pursue the Lord, the more you recognize where your good gifts come from, the more generous and the more open-handed you are to say, Lord, it's not mine to begin with, so how can I be used by you? Our thankfulness for how the Lord has blessed us fuels our opportunity not just to be generous with our stuff, but to be generous with our entire lives. To be generous to say, Lord, it's not mine to begin with. Here it is. To be generous to say, Lord, it's yours. You use it. A thankful heart is a giving heart. If you find yourself not being very generous and gracious, may I ask that you start with looking at your thankfulness to the Lord for what he has blessed you with. If you've counted your blessings, named them one by one which would lead us to the crux of what I want to share this morning, and it's verse, it's number five. Now, I'm about to say a word to fill in this blank, and I recognize the weight of what I'm about to say. I recognize when I say number five that sometimes our primary response to this verse and to this word is to say, no, there's no way. No, 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 no. There's caveats. No, 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 can't. It's too much. Number five, if you would write in this word, thanksgiving in everything. And again, even to say it, I begin to, in my own soul, begin to say, not really. There's no way possible. It can't really happen. But First Thessalonians 5, I want you to all turn in your Bible. I think it's one that we need to underline, highlight, circle, and all the things that we do in our Bibles to remind us of the importance and the necessity of this verse together. That thanksgiving in everything. The writer says in verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I get a lot of people come by and ask the question, Mark, I don't know what God's calling me to. I don't know what God's will is for me. I don't know what God's calling me to. Well, here in the pages of Scripture, we see a place in which the writer of the Scripture says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is it. This is the will of God for you. It's to rejoice always. It's to rejoice always. 
that when sorrows like sea billows roll around you, we can rejoice. To pray without ceasing, to be a person of constant prayer, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Don't you wish that there was a place in which it said, give thanks in most circumstances, give thanks in the majority of circumstances, give thanks in the good and the happy circumstances? Don't you wish that that little caveat would have been placed in there? But instead, it's give thanks in all circumstances. And I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, it, it's not easy. There are days that you will not feel like rejoicing. There are days that you will not feel like praying. There are days that you will not feel like giving thanks for this circumstance. There are days you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that the darkness seems darker than the good shepherd who walks with you. There are days where it's mighty hard to find the joy of our salvation when we feel like we failed a million times. There are times where it'll feel like it'll be hard to give thanks for where the Lord has led us into because of the pain that we feel. There are days where the cancers and the health struggles and the difficulties and the problems that we face, these verses will feel insurmountable. But at the same time, this is the will of God for us. That we would be so rooted in the spirit of God that even though sorrows like sea billows would roll, even though we may be robbed, even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as believers, we can rejoice in what God has done. We can rejoice in his good shepherd that would lead us and guide us beside the still waters. We can pray knowing that he gives peace that surpasses our wildest of expectations. And we can give thanks knowing that he is at work, working somehow all things together. Our thanksgiving for our salvation would ultimately, at the end of the day, work us to being thankful in everything. But we're not thankful in everything unless we start with, number one, thankfulness in our salvation. So that's where we start and that's where we end today. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that you overwhelm us with thankfulness. That you overwhelm our souls with thankfulness to you for what you have done and what you continue to do. Or we're grateful that we have a God who loved us and cared for us so much that he lived among us. He was sinless, yet he shed his blood so that one day we could be alive forevermore. Lord, grow in us a heart of gratitude for the small and the big. Teach us to love one another well by overwhelming ourselves with gratitude. We confess we need to grow. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.